Sometimes I think as Christians that we forget that we can never serve God and money, but it's our God-given responsibility to serve God with our money. See, the world says, how much did you have? And God says, what'd you do with it? You're listening to Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr., senior pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad that you're with us today as we continue to look at seven reasons why God gave us money. And one of those reasons is so that we can serve those around us, so that we can give back into ministry and do what James says to support those who are poor and needy, give to the orphans and the widows. I remember one of the times that that really clicked home for me is I happened to be out at breakfast with a very successful businessman who made a lot of money. And he said, I think about God asking me at the day of judgment, why did you die with so much money in your bank account when there's so many people who need to hear about me? It really began to transform the way I began to think about money. Hopefully, as you listen to today's program, God will use Pastor Ford's teaching to transform your view of money as well. So let's get going. We're in Proverbs 19 as we continue seven reasons why God gave us money. And so Proverbs 19:17 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he, God, Yahweh, pay again. Did you hear what I said? That God says, listen, we need to understand something here. Notice, I'm not going to push them, I'm just going to drop them. I want you to notice it's universal. Whoever, whoever, which means you don't have to be a believer, which explains to us why some of these people get rich because they use the principles that God has given to Christians that Christians don't use, and God gives them wealth because he can give it to them and work through them uh, to fund other things. That's why. Whoever. And and so that's the mandate to the masses. But but look at it. In other words, it's open to everybody. It doesn't matter. Lottie Dottie and everybody. But notice it's to the underprivileged, poor. So the mandate, then it's the moneyless. People who don't have ought to be provided for by people who have. I knew nobody wasn't going to say amen on that. I want you to notice uh, that it is unfettered. The word is give. And and listen, the stem in the Hebrew tells us this, uh, that it helps us to understand not just that you uh, give, but the motivation behind your giving. In other words, it's unfettered. I have no motive other than to help. And what I'm giving, and you know, I tell you all the time, sometimes I help the brothers uh, out at Walgreens uh, because I feel compassion for them. And sometimes I throw them a dollar because I don't want to be bothered. Now, notice it's understanding. Get this. Understanding, what are you talking about? Lends to the Lord. Wait a minute. What does that do? You're not getting this. You're not getting this. What does that do? Or what should that do? It ought to change my mindset. Okay, I'm just going to say these three brothers are poor. I'm getting ready to give to them. No, I'm not. I'm lending to the Lord. I'm lending to the Lord. I'm lending to the Lord. That ought to change your mindset when you give to people who are homeless, who are hungry, who are hurting. You realize, no, 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 no. I am lending to the Lord. And the Lord is not like us. I know folk that I've loaned money to. 
And they told me they paid me Friday, but they didn't tell me it was one of the ones that would be in next year. You got friends like that too? Yeah, and so it's undeniable that there is a reward. That's the manifestation. He says, listen, whoever, that's the mandate. He says, to the poor, that's the money list. Gives, that's the motivation. Lends, that's the mindset. And then he says, you ain't going to outgive me. That's the manifestation. That's it. Back in the day at Christ Bible Church, this is over 30 years ago. Let me tell you what happened. Over 30 years ago, I had five suits. I had just bought two new suits, and they were microfabric. The other three that I had were polyester. So I had five suits. But I was looking forward uh, to wearing one of the microfabric suits, man. You know, because it wasn't polyester. And PGM, back then we were connected with PGM, uh, had started a program where they were getting the men jobs, but they needed suits. And they asked the churches that they go to and minister to, would you get suits, collect suits for us? And we were collecting suits. And I went to my closet to collect suits. And you know what two suits I wanted to give them? Two of the old polyester suits. And I grabbed them, and the Holy Spirit said, stop. You're going to give away what you don't want. You're going to give them something you don't even want to wear anymore. Give them the microfabric. I say, ain't nobody but the devil. There ain't no Holy Ghost <laughs> telling me, give away my two new suits. I wrestled with it for a few days. On Friday, I gave those suits over to be given to PGM men. Sunday after service, Major Matthew, a pastor of one of our daughter churches, came to me and said, Pastor Ford, the Lord laid you on my heart. I said, he did. He said, he laid you on my heart for me to buy you two suits. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no. He, he, he laid you on my heart and said, buy Pastor Ford two suits. And then he also told me, buy him two pair of shoes, buy him two shirts, buy him two tie and pocket square combinations like you wear. Now, anybody know Major Matthews is like Arthur Lyles. Them boys don't play. It wasn't polyester. It wasn't microfabric. It was 100% wool. And one of them was gabardine. Whoa. And Stacy Adam shoes. Now, here's why I love sharing this. I said, Major, when did God put this on your heart? He said, Friday. <laughs> oh, I hate to get the Bible in this, but you know what I'm going to say next. What I'm going to say next. And now, a word. From our sponsor, Proverbs 28, 27. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Proverbs 14, 21. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Proverbs 14, 31. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him have mercy on the poor. Proverbs 22, 9. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth 
giveth of his bread to the poor. Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land, which the Lord our God has given thee, thou shalt not harden thy heart, nor shut thy hand from thy poor brother, but thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need, in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in your wicked heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thy eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou giveth him not, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou giveth unto him. Wait a minute, say it again. And thy heart shall not be grieved when you give it unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in thy works and in all that thou put thy hand unto. For the poor never ceases out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, to thy needy in thy land. Now, I know it's written to Israel, but the principles are in Proverbs. Second Corinthians 9, 9, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Wow. Get ready, church, because what's happening? People are learning you can't depend on government. So guess where they're going to be turning to God, which means then we've got to get ready to minister to people's felt needs so we can give them their real needs. And what's their real need? Jesus. That's their real need. Jesus. See, it don't matter how much money you have here or you prepare for hereafter. And, and you know Kay Spade, we, we, we're praying for her family. You know, she committed suicide. Ladies know who she is. Brothers, y'all may know who she is. She was a, a, a designer, and her basic design was purses. Died leaving over net worth $200 million. And we haven't seen uh, that suicide note yet, but I'm guaranteeing you there's going to be something on there about lack of love, about loneliness, about feeling that even though I have all of this, I really have nothing because there's a void on the inside. And Ecclesiastes says that there is a shape of God in the heart of every person. In other words, there's a void in your heart that will never be filled by lust and pleasure, never be filled uh, by money and materials, never be filled by education, by having a boo, by all, there's because it's a God-shaped vacuum and only God can fill that. Hmm. Sometimes I think as Christians that we forget that we can never serve God and money, but it's our responsibility, our God-given responsibility to serve God with our money. See, the world says, how much did you have? And God says, what'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? What a great question to ask ourselves. If God has given us money more than we need, what are we going to do with what God has entrusted to us? How are we using that? to share the gospel, to minister to those around us, to support the widows and the orphans, the poor that God says he cares about. It's a great question for us to be uh, thinking about today. You're listening to a message called Seven Reasons Why God Gave Us Money. If you just joined us, we're in Proverbs 19. Let's get back to the teaching. Here's Pastor Ford. 
And so when you begin to look at this, God has given us money, number four, so that we could share with those in need. You know, you're saying, Pastor, that's Old Testament and all of that. Let me do this real quick. In Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47, I got a drop on my can't push them. 25 years ago, I preached a message entitled, Eight Ingredients for a Successful New Testament Church. Who was here? Who was here? Eight ingredients for one, two, three. See, see we got a new church. That's why I tell you. Know, I told Pastor Lyles that. Didn't I tell you that? Every five years, you get a new church, you see? And, and so you end up with 60% new people in five years. Why? Because some people die. Some people move away. Uh, some people uh, uh, get mad and leave. And, and so on and on it goes, you know? So you get a, a, a new church. And so we need to have this now. Yeah, you, you hear it again. I bet you don't remember it. Who can give up and give me the eight ingredients who heard the message? I, and I definitely will give you $100. You get up right now and tell me. I know you won. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Here's the eight ingredients for a successful New Testament church. But there's one I want to focus in on. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled. Number two, they were focused on spiritual disciplines. So they gathered themselves together. Number three, number three, they were fervent about God's word. They were fervent about God's word. They continued daily in the apostles' doctrine, the only Bible that they had. You know what they knew? Come on, ask me what they knew. They knew that man shall not live by bread alone. We have to retranslate that today. For the average Christian, here's how we would translate that verse. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from Facebook because you're on Facebook more than you in his book. Okay, let me, let, me, let me move on. Let me move on. And so here, here it is. So they had a fear of God. They had family unity. They had a fiery love, and they had faithful evangelism. Those are the eight ingredients of a successful New Testament church. And they grew 3,000 in one day from a sermon that when I read it and timed it, took three minutes and 20 seconds. Wouldn't you like to have more sermons like that? Well, well, I like to have more results like that too. <laughs> so here it is, family unity, that's the communion. How often did the early church meet? Who knows, how about? Every day. Every day. That's how they got to know each other. They spent time with each other. Because you don't know people that you don't spend time with. And Henry, let me tell you something else. You don't trust people you don't spend time with. Mm -hmm. So they had family unity, that's communion with the saints. But then they had a fiery love, that's compassion for the saints. And so as they were interacting, they know some people uh, had it, uh, problems and we need to minister to them. Let me tell you another story real quick because I'm going to have to hasten uh, uh, to close this out. Uh, but listen, listen, let me, let me tell you this other story. And it, it's a true story. Uh, it's a story uh, that a preacher told when he was a Bible school student. This is back in the day. And, and so he said, uh, here's what he said. He said, a tractor trailer load of Tropicana uh, orange juice was dropped off at our cafeteria. I couldn't understand how a small, struggling Christian college could afford Tropicana orange juice. But then an old Italian man came and shared his testimony at our school. He said he came from Italy as an immigrant, 
with nothing but the clothes on his back. He didn't have a suitcase. He said, but when he got here, there was a Christian couple that had compassion on him because he was poor and he was in, uh, uh, you know, the shanties. They brought him into their home. They didn't know him, Brother Ralph. They treated him like family, bought him clothes, put a roof over his head and food. He was so touched. He says, their love won me to Jesus Christ. He accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord Savior. He says, and now I'm going to quote, he says, I was in church and I said to God, God, if you give me an idea for a business, a portion of everything I make will go back to your work. I will help people who were like I was when I first came, like this family helped me. He said, that very morning, an idea came to my mind. What about fresh squeezed oranges? And that's the beginning. Because Anthony Rossi, the immigrant from Italy, who came on the boat with only the clothes on his back, founded Tropicana. And today, still sends truckloads of orange juice to Christian schools around the country. And before he died, was giving 50% of all that Tropicana made to Christian work, especially for the poor. <laughs> Notice this care. I got to drop them and I, I, I'm going to just fill in the other ones. Uh, the care was, first of all, initiated by lack. So they saw there was somebody that needed something. And, and so they said, okay, then what's the motivation? It's motivated by concern. It was collected according to ability. I wish I had time to talk about Barnabas. His name was Joseph, Acts chapter 4, and they changed his name to son of encouragement. Why? Bar Nabus. Bar, son of Nabus, comfort or encouragement. Why are they naming that? Because he had some property was just sitting there. The stuff was just sitting there. And so what he said was, I am going to be motivated by concern. So he went and sold it, gave it to the disciples for them to give to the poor. Hmm. It was collected according to ability. It was distributed according to necessity. People who didn't need food didn't go to the food pantry. They left it for the people who need food pantry. Then fifthly, it was perpetuated by need. In other words, this was something that continued on, that Tacitus, the Roman historian, said not only do they take care of their poor, sick, needy, widow, and fatherless, they take care of our poor, sick, needy, widows, and fatherless. Hmm. The Good Samaritan is the perfect example. What do you mean? Uh, the Good Samaritan is the perfect example of caring for folk who can't care for themselves. What did he do? You remember how many kinds of people are in the world? There are those who will beat you up. There are those who will pass you up. There are those who will pick you up. And the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. What's paradoxical? What's oxymoronic about the word the Good Samaritan? Because the Jews said there weren't anything such thing as a Good Samaritan. And the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritan. But here was a Samaritan that stopped the help. A Jew, when the other Jews passed him by. So what did he do? Here's what we need to do. Number one, we need to care about people. He stopped because he cared. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Number two, 
cross barriers to minister to them. He had to cross that barrier. He crossed the geographical barrier. He crossed the racial barrier. On and on it goes. Third, you have to change your agenda. He was on his way somewhere. And he did what? Changed his agenda and made the poor man his priority. Number four, you have to commit your resources. And so he's taking his time, his talent, his treasures. He's giving it to the man. Number five, you got to cooperate with others. So he goes to the innkeeper. He says, I, I, I brought him as far as I can. Now I'm going to give him to you. You take care of him the rest of the way. Then, number six, he continued until the man was fully healed. Because what did he say? I got to go away, but I'm leaving you this money, my resources. If he needs anything, use this to take care of it, and then I'll be back. And then finally, a checkup to make sure that they're okay. Here it is, and, and, I, and I close. Plural religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Three things, and two of them have to do with helping poor people. James 2, 15 and 16, if a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warm and fill, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful for the body, what does the prophet, what kind of faith do you have? In 1 John, John said, how can you say to them, I'm going to pray for you, be warmed and be filled, and you have it. You got two pair of shoes, they don't have one pair of shoes, and you say, I'll pray for you. And I ain't trying to make myself no hero. I just want to show you how I started. How did I start? I started by Paul saying, I showed you. I demonstrated to you. Let me tell you what we did one time. We had an elder who came to us and said, man, pray for us, pastor. What's going on? We're about to lose our house. Oh, wow. He said, we've been in this house over 25 years. We had to refinance, and now we're trying to finish this thing up, and they're going to foreclose on us, and we're, we're not going to make it. And I said, well, what is it that you need? And uh, we didn't have it as the church. And so I went home to my sugar babe. I said, we have a savings. And our savings is only $200 less than what this elder needs to save his house. And uh, we prayed about it. And the wife said, empty it out. And we emptied it out. And we gave it to this elder. And they're still living in that house today. People, I was telling my wife, we have a big house. And she always said to me, Man, why do we have such a big house? Ain't but two of us. I said, because one day he's going to fill it and we better get ready for it. One day we're going to have to open our doors. Now she thought I was only talking about our kids. I've been praying, Lord, prepare her because I think it's going to be some other folk too. <laughs> and so what did he say? He said, he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and that which he hath given will God pay him back again. That's the truth to our hearts. Our Father, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. What a great thing for us to be thinking about as we wrap up our time today. We're listening to Treasured Truth with Pastor Ford. And if you want to go back and listen to today's program again, you can always do that when you come to treasuredtruthradio.org. You know, Pastor, for somebody who's been listening for some time to this program, they will have heard us talk about the fact that we're listener supported. But in essence, what does that mean? What it means is we're able to bring good Bible teaching mm -hmm. uh, to our listeners 
because they are supporting the ministry. We couldn't be on uh, if they would not be supporting the ministry. So there is a cost, actually, to doing radio, production costs and airtime. Oh, yes, most definitely. And uh, what they're doing is investing in their own spiritual growth. Yeah. Well, you can make an investment right now as you give a gift to Treasured Truth and Moody Radio. Very simple to do that. Come to the website. It is treasuredtruthradio.org. Click on the link that says make a donation. Again, that's at treasuredtruthradio.org. Well, thanks for listening today. Thanks also to our producer, Amy Rios. For Pastor Ford, I'm Steve Hiller. Treasured Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.